1: I want to welcome you to today's edition of Bible News Radio. Hey, it is the day after. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Actually, technically, everybody, every day is the day after. <laughs> every, every day is the day after the day before. And the day before the day that's tomorrow. Anyway, there you go. That's your deep thought. Okay, so you guys know that yesterday we had the election, right? Yeah, you do, because we did a whole show on it. And are you guys happy with the result? Are you? Huh? I'm asking just because I want to know. Are you happy that the Democrats gained houses, you know, seats in the House? Are you? Are you happy that we have to deal with Nancy Pelosi some more? (laughs) Uh, I can tell you here in Tennessee, it went red. Oh yeah, it did. And Marsha Blackburn, very first woman senator in this state ever. And she kicked butt. What can I say? Phil, the guy that she ran against. Poor little Phil. He lost. And I'm really happy about that. Just so you know. (laughs) Hey, and just so you know, I will probably be talking about this on Friday because today we have a guest, tomorrow we have a guest. Uh, Alright, so just so you know, I haven't forgotten about, you know, how the United States of America is divided, but I do wish that we could make America great again and that Pelosi and Donald Trump would give each other a big hug and be an example of humanity. True story. Anyway, okay, so you guys, thanks for coming in, and I asked that you would share this out today, because today what we're going to do is we're going to talk about a very important topic. Unfortunately, it's a topic that too many of us know personally the experience of, Uh, but here's the thing. We need to talk about this topic, because if we don't, we're in denial see how I did that. (laughs) So today what we're going to do is we're going to talk about the book. It's called Denial, Abuse, Addiction, and a Life Derailed, and it's based on a true story. Uh, My guest is uh, Nanette Kirsch, right? Did I say it right? Yes. Scored. You did it right. Yeah. Anyway, she's here, and we're going to talk about this book, how she learned about this story, what it is, and we're going to offer you guys some hope and encouragement and hopefully you'll get the book if, if you need it to, in order to understand the topic of sexual abuse and childhood sexual abuse in particular. Because you know what, you guys? Let's just be honest. Nobody talks about it, right? In fact, what the media does is they, they actually, in some ways, advocate for it and glorify it. And so does the school system, in my opinion. That's just my opinion, though, just so you know. Uh, depending on what state you live in, which, you know, if you live in California which I feel so sorry for you if you do, uh, then, yeah, that's that's an issue. So I'm going to take a moment here to share this out here. I'm going to go ahead and get over here on Facebook and share it over on Facebook just for a minute. Uh, of course, you guys, if you have any questions during the show or any comments during the show, then please do me a favor and share them here uh, and uh, let us... Do this, and Cindy is saying, "I we are not happy to have more of Mrs. Pelosi." Yeah, <laughs> I'm with you, sister. <laughs> Me and Cindy have known each other since high school, so that's pretty cool. You, you. Thanks for watching, you. I'm glad that you're, I'm glad that you're there. All right, I'm gonna share this out over on Facebook really fast, or as fast as I can, anyway. All right, you guys, and then you on Periscope. I want to say hi to you. Go ahead here. And say hi to my favorite doctor, psychologist in Canada. How you doing, John? Nice to see you. And Melanie, our number one super fan, Diane and Percy, Percy, Pastor Garrett. Pastor Garrett, you're going to love this show. I guarantee it. And Mia, which I can't wait to see in a couple of days. We get to baptize you. It's going to be so fun. And BJ. Hi. Nice to see you too. And let's see, uh, Mama Gina, did you get my message? I hope you, hopefully you got my message because I'm confused by it but anyway and healing waters from the tabernacle Bobby and Wanda and some other people I don't know who you are my bad (laughs) hey I can't know everybody just so you know I want to but I can't only God can all right only God can know everybody okay and if you're on YouTube hi I'm sorry, I'm not over there. I can only watch so many screens. I literally have four screens, four screens in front of me. I got that one, this one, this one, and that one. So no, okay. It's in, it's in your. It was a text message. So hopefully you will just get it later. Okay, we can look at it after the show. All right. So here's the deal. Today we are going to talk about a psychological type topic. Uh, and as you guys know, frankly, I don't cover these topics a lot. And you know why? Because they're depressing to me. Uh, you know, being a therapist for a long time and dealing with this stuff, it's like, you know what? I'm not interested <laughs> in, in hearing about it, talking about it. I just want to be, I want to ignore it. But the, but the reality is you guys, we can't, we can't ignore it. Uh, in fact, I think it's next week or the week after I have somebody else who's going to be addressing this topic in a different way uh, as well. But, um, with the prevalence of child sexual abuse, Uh, childhood sexual abuse and the fact that so many children are victims of this um, and we don't talk about it. We don't talk about the long-term effects of it. We don't talk about, you know, the attachment issues and uh, we don't talk about the addiction issues. In fact, I was talking to somebody yesterday uh, who was in a relationship uh, with an addict and, you know, trying to help him figure out the the pattern, the emotional pattern that she has had with him, this push-pull thing, um, and the attachment bonding problem, and and the reality is, is that's it. If you're if you're in a relationship with somebody who's been abused, you're going to deal with attachment issues. That's the bottom line, and it all goes back to to being comforted, and how people learned comfort and all that. And I'm one hundred million percent convinced that addiction issues are comfort issues. Because people don't want to be in pain. And of course not. Why would you want to be in pain? Only a nut nut case would want to be in pain. So anyway, that's what we're going to talk about. So there is an estimated 60 million adult survivors of childhood sexual abuse in America. Grover can verify that fact by his barking right now. And one in three girls and one in six boys has been abused or will be abused by the age of 18. Okay. And honestly between you and me I think those numbers are higher this is what we know right this is based on what all what we know uh, and so let me tell you a little bit about Nanette she is um, she she loves the Bible that's awesome <laughs> and uh, she went to uh, I don't know how to say. She went to some university in Pittsburgh. I'm not going to say the name because I know I'll mess it up, even though I should have wrote down (laughs) the name anyway. uh, But she's got a career in communications. She's the owner and president of Big Rock Ideas, an outsourced inbound marketing company, uh, where she helps companies discover and express the essence of their brand identities. Yeah, she is. Oh, and not only that, but she also wrote this book. Well, she did write the book. So anyway, I want you to meet her. So, hey come on the show here. Thank you for joining us today. Glad you're here.
0: Hi, Stacy. Thanks for having me.
1: You're welcome. Glad you're here. Um, how do you say your university name again? I forgot. Duquesne. Duquesne. Why is it spelled the way that <laughs> it's, it's French? <laughs> oh, it's French. Okay. Just so you guys know, it's spelled D-U-Q-U-E-S-N-E. That's so obvious. yeah see yeah. oh Mel- Melanie and yeah Melanie and the spam bot they knew what it was and they actually spelled it right. <laughs> she lives up there <laughs> in Pennsylvania. <sighs> so yes, is this a is this a private college or is this a state college? I'm just curious. It is a Catholic college. Oh Catholic college. Well okay yeah, that's probably why I didn't know about it because I've never gone to a Catholic college. Anyway, okay, so let's. This is what I always do when I have a guest on the show. First of all, I warmly welcome you, I hug you virtually, and thank you for being here. And then I ask, you know, if you can share something about yourself that maybe somebody doesn't know, like me, your host.
0: <laughs> well, um, in addition to my work, I am married. I've been married for 26 years, and I have four children who are nearing adulthood. My youngest is now 16, my oldest is 22. And um, two of them are adopted from Korea, which is kind of a fun fact.
1: Oh, yeah. That's very cool. Well, congratulations. That's awesome. You know what? Randall Bearface and me, well, Bearface, Me and him have been married 26 years too. So there you go. Isn't it cool there. that we've been married that long? It feels like a long time, doesn't it? Just admit it, you know it does. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we're not that old. We're not, like, I just turned 50 last month, so, yeah. Uh, Here in Tennessee, people call me ma'am all the time, and I'm like, dang, must be showing my age here, right? But anyway, okay, so tell me about this story about your book, because it's about one guy named David Wagner, which is not his real name, right? It's pen name? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, tell us how, how did you get interested in the topic, and what exactly is this covering? Because I think it's kind of interesting.
0: So the, um, I think the evolution of how I ended up writing this story is great for your audience um, because I, myself, was a survivor of sexual abuse and um, really didn't think that it was having big effects on my life. And um, let's see, in 2009, um, David Wagner died. And in the, in the aftermath of that, we found out that he had been abused, that um, it was connected to his death. And um, at the time he died, his wife said to me, you should write a book about this because it has everything. It was such an incredible, unbelievable story based on what we knew of him because he was really living a a double life at that point. And um, aside from the fact that I had never written a book, I didn't really feel like that was something I was called to. So a few years later, she sent me a couple of boxes that I kept unopened, actually. I never opened them. And... um, I had um, prayed kind of offhandedly. I'd read a book where someone um, invoked Isaiah 6 and asked God to show them what was standing in the way of their relationship. Mm -hmm. So I did that kind of offhandedly, feeling pretty good about my relationship with the Lord at that point. And um, about two days later, my husband confronted me about the things that he observed and the way that he thought that I was continuing to be impacted by my abuse experience. And he encouraged me to go pursue what God had to say about sexuality and really try to address it, so I did. Hmm. And um, interesting, I think it um, connects to what you said in the opening as I did that, um, what I learned was that um, your ability, what God showed me was your ability to experience intimacy in your human love relationships impacts your ability to experience intimacy with him. So when you're hampered in one, you're hampered in the other. And um, once I understood that lesson, then I felt him call me back to this book. He said, Now you have a story to tell. Hmm. And so I approached the book from that perspective, recognizing that um, sexual abuse is a, a pervasive and really, really effective form of spiritual warfare in this world today. And as you said, so many people are impacted by it. And so um, fictionalized the story, draw on my own experiences and some other victims that worked with me, but wanted to tell some of the facts of his story because it was so compelling in a way that would help people um, make some of those connections and hopefully get help.
1: Yeah. Well, I, you know, it's interesting. Uh, first of all, I, I extend my, my sympathy and empathy to you because I understand what it's like as well. And you know, it, it really is true. You know, I remember, at least for me, when I went into therapy for the first time, um, uh, you know, my, th- my therapist was like, well, you should just pray to God, your father. And I'm like, uh, why would I want to do that again? <laughs> you know? And, and I really had an issue with that, even though it wasn't my dad that abused me. It was a male, you know, guy that actually, mm-hmm. you know, took that place. Um, so she had to actually encourage me in my walk, uh, with the Lord just to look at him as a friend at first, you know, and then it was only over time, that I was able to connect on that father-daughter level and, uh, and all that. So it really does impact you and in your relationship, obviously, with your significant other, you know, mm-hmm. in our cases, our husbands. Um, yeah, it's very impactful. I know my husband hates that word, but it is. It is. It's very, okay, so tell me about this guy, though, because um, now, okay, so we, so he's not living, but
0: he was a millionaire, so it's interesting because I think it um, it all ties together that, yes, he was outwardly and up until the point that he died, the person that we knew was incredibly successful. He was a millionaire by 35, had five kids, was married to a great wife, um, an entrepreneur, and just literally, and this is being married to someone who thinks he's the funniest guy in the room. He was always the funniest guy in the room and um, just a larger than life personality and a really good person. And so... Um, his suicide, to say it was a shock to us, would be a huge understatement. It was still one of the most surprising things in our lives. Um, and it was only afterward that um, some of the facts started to come out, um, including beginning with the fact that he was sexually abused, but then that abuse from a young age and honestly his denial of it, which again was part of the message of this book, important enough to be the title, right? That. Um, mm-hmm abuse is bad enough, you're re-traumatized and the pain and the power of that is continued when you live in denial of it. And so denying that and pressing that down led him into sexual addictions, substance abuse issues. Um, he had a pornography addiction. He was soliciting prostitutes several times a week and then going home for dinner with his family and going to church on Sunday. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, at a certain point, it just became overwhelming and it did begin to unravel his life. And throughout that, part of my journey was really looking at where was God in that? Because um, one of the m- most important parts of the book for me was the ability to include a journal that he kept for a couple of weeks. And throughout that, you can see him crying out to the Lord for rescue and praying repeatedly and not ever experiencing the comfort of the spirit in that process. And um, mm. I wanted to understand where God was in his suffering.
1: Oh yeah, and that's so compassionate. I mean, it really is, because it, it'd be really easy to um, to judge, right, when you mm-hmm. don't know all the facts. And yet, my guess would be, did did I don't know if this is in the book or not, but did he have affairs with both men and women?
0: No, okay. just women,
1: just women. So, mm-hmm. so his abuse actually didn't impact him in a in a way that would you know make him go down the gay route which is a good thing, but still, I mean, it was it bad. It became very
0: homophobic. Um, he was very hostile and aggressive about that idea, and I think that is not unusual either. Um, okay. But, yeah.
1: Was he abused by a woman or a man?
0: It was by a man. He actually is one of the victims profiled in the Pennsylvania Grand Jury Report. Um, so that was interesting, too, that um, as that story started to come out, it was a priest. Um, he was raised in a very traditional um, Roman Catholic environment, very ethnically Catholic. And, um, you know, I, at the time I published the book, I said that I did not believe that the issue was more prevalent there, that there's really a power paradigm Uh when people are given respect and access to your children that they haven't earned, that's repeated in many scenarios. And that's still true. But, um, I think since that reports come out, I've changed my view. And I do believe that there's a very strong cultural corruption that's infiltrated that, that church in particular.
1: Oh yeah, oh yeah. There's no doubt whatsoever
0: uh, mm-hmm.
1: in that. But okay, so be- I'm asking this because I really don't know. What is the Pennsylvania grand jury report? I really don't know what that is.
0: So that's funny because from my perspective, having grown up in Pennsylvania, it was such a big um, deal. But basically, the Pennsylvania State Attorney General um, impaneled a grand jury and subpoenaed the records from six dioceses, Roman Catholic dioceses in Pennsylvania. Um, they did a two-year investigation into credible allegations of sexual abuse by clergy, and in some cases, lay people. Um, there were 300 priests identified and over 1,000 victims, which, as you know, um, as you said at the beginning, only scratches the surface of what actually happened. But the, um, the vulgarity of the in- instances, the level of corruption, um, it really detailed the um, a decision by the leadership to move those priests from diocese to diocese. It detailed situations where after children had been groomed, the priests would give them crosses to mark them for other priests as children who had been groomed and were primed for abuse. Um, and a very sick intertwining of faith and with the abuse so that um, people really, one woman said she's triggered by hearing the name of God because it was that intentionally twisted. So it was deeply disturbing, um, both for the level of abuse that happened as well as the level of corruption that has covered it up and created zero accountability for years.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It makes me mad.
0: It started with spotlight right in the, um, in the early 2000s in Boston. And since this Pennsylvania grand jury report has come out, other state attorneys general are beginning similar investigations. And so, um, there was just another one recently. I, I can't think of where it was right now, but, um it's going to continue. And I think the pattern is pretty established and concerning.
1: Yeah, I agree. I mean, I have, I have so many feelings just hearing what you said. Uh, obviously one is anger because you know, anytime anybody does anything in God's name, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: especially to a child, you know, go back to Matthew 18, you know, it'd be better if a millstone was hung around their, their neck and them to be thrown into the depths of the sea. Right. I mean, uh, and you know, oh, that's your loving, tolerant God saying that. Yeah, it is. <laughs> you know, I have to say because, uh, yeah, He doesn't look too kindly on people that abuse kids, number one. But doing it in God's name to top it off is is just wicked. I mean, it's wicked. It is wicked. And what really gets me is the the silence and the intentionality. And and you know, unfortunately, it's not just the Catholic Church; it's also the Protestant Church. Um, it's very very pervasive and you know and in the church you know and i i hate to admit it but i often go into church and you know i'll talk to people and i often think i wonder that guy's addicted to porn i wonder if that guy (laughs) know, i mean i do i i i actually see people that way initially i don't i don't generally think the like purest thoughts in terms of oh that guy's the holiest guy ever i don't ever do that because i just know too much about people yeah. So somebody's saying the like of fire is their portion if they don't sincerely repent and turn. Yeah, that's true. We got a demon bot in here. We're gonna block that person. Yeah. Um, okay. So the other thing too is let's see here. Um, you, uh, I guess in the book, in the afterword of the book, the wife of David wrote wrote that. What's that about?
0: So she just sort of shared her perspective on where their family is now and the struggles that they've had since and. Um, really the ripple effects that, you know, when I look at that grand jury report and say a 1,000 victims, you have to multiply that by their families who are all suffering um, as a consequence of that. And you identified that, that, um, you know, physical, emotional, mental abuse is all part of the story. And so um, she was not physically abused, but definitely emotionally and psychologically, and um, has struggled with addiction herself, alcohol addiction since then. Um, because of the financial mismanagement that went on when he died, there was no money. So they went from living in a multi-million dollar home to having their kids be on the school food stamp program for a period of time, and just have been through some really rough things. Um, but there is hope, and the hope is the resilience of those kids, um, their love and respect for other people, and and for their father. And that was part of my. That was really a key motivator for me in writing the story. Was they knew some things, they were going to know more as they grew older, and I really wanted to create the context for them to be able to have some grace and mercy to put the pieces that are difficult in their dad's story together with his suffering and his humanity so that they could see how much he did love them because of all the things that he struggled with. He was an amazing father and a very loving father, um, and that they could reconcile that difficult story in a way that would give them peace. Yeah,
1: that's great. Great that you did that. Actually, John here, who's a psychologist up in Canada, he said here, often three uh, to four people impacted by abuse cycles. It's a massive issue. Mm. And, you know, actually, I don't know what my dog's barking about, people, but he's barking about something. I don't know what, though. Yeah. Yeah, if this was real TV, we'd go to a commercial right now. (laughs) (laughs) But, hey, it's live streaming, just so you know. So we're live and we're streaming Grover Barking. Anyway, I, I'm bringing it up just because it's obvious to me. Okay, anyway, so, yeah, let's talk a little bit about um, about the cycle of abuse or the addictive cycle of abuse because, um, you know, what's, what's really interesting to me is that uh, sometimes people – don't understand why they're attracted to some people. And many, many years ago, uh, uh, Jan Frank and her husband, Don, wrote a book. It's called uh, When Victims Marry. And um, just as an example, she was a marriage and family therapist in California. And she wrote this book because she had been sexually abused. And uh, she, she wrote a book called When um, When Victims Marry. And then her first book was actually called A Door of Hope. Uh, so she was trying to you know, in part that there is hope through this, but also that if you get married to somebody, um, there are reasons and patterns in your, your, your path that mm-hmm. actually interact with patterns and cycles in your spouse's path. Um, John says it's habitual patterning. We should have John come in too. <laughs> come on the show. I'll give you the link, John. Uh, but seriously, there's... So there's these issues. Right. And and often it's unconscious. People don't under they don't understand that victims attract victims often Mm -hmm. um, and they don't understand what it is, why they're attracted to the same type of people. And they and they get, you know, into that cycle of abuse. So does your book address any of that or do you want to talk to can you talk to that at all?
0: Yeah, I think, um, obviously, I'm not a psychologist or a professional by training, so it's more by the example of the story, and I think what you said is true, that um, when you look at Mara's story, the wife, in parallel to David's, there was brokenness on both sides, and her desire to be loved and to be affirmed um, helped to feed that toxic cycle, so rather than saying there's something wrong, you're not healthy, and providing the kind of accountability that might have helped him get help she kept trying to mold and bend herself um, to meet his needs. And so that is sort of how the derailment happened, right? Was he was allowed to get sicker. He was more um, aggressive toward her, partly I think because of the threat of intimacy and partly because she was in the best position to expose what was going on even though she only knew a smidgen yeah. at the time of what was really happening um but yeah they they definitely fed into a very toxic cycle for a long period of time yeah
1: yeah that's it, you know and you would be surprised how many people are in that cycle and they just don't talk about it so yeah and I,
0: I think she's worked to get healthy since then um it's interesting particularly with women to hear the different reactions to mara's character um some women are pretty hard on her for not having been stronger, not taking him to task. But the other part I think that realistically balances that is a stay-at-home mom with five children that um, you're going to fight for your marriage and do what you can to save it. And I think um, as her older children have read the book, what they've come away with is how steadfast their mom was in fighting for them and trying to keep their family together. So I have a lot of compassion for her. Sure,
1: I would too. I definitely would. I actually have a lot of compassion for victims of domestic violence and uh, any type of abuse. Anyway, just because uh, you you don't you don't understand how easy it is to get sucked into that until you're there, and how Very hard true. and how hard it is to break it because it's really hard to break. Definitely is. All right, okay, so everybody today, our guest is Nanette Kirsch, and she's written a book called Denial, and during the break here, I want you to go over to to denialbook.com, you can learn more about the book there, Uh, but we're going to take our break here, and then uh, we're going to continue our conversation, so if you guys have questions about anything you want to bring up, feel free to leave it during the time I'm doing these uh, uh, sponsor ads, okay? All right. Don't be silent. Talk. <laughs> okay. All right. Also, I want to say thank you to our sponsor, Ariel Ministries. Ariel is the, the ministry of Dr. Arnold Fruchtenbaum, Messianic Jewish Ministry. Uh, you guys know that right now he we have a coupon code. Uh, if you go over to ariel.org, you can use the coupon code Bible News. Save 20% on anything there in the store. I would I would highly encourage you to get stuff for Christmas and Hanukkah. For yourself and for other people yeah i would in fact we have this uh dvd set about the israel tour you guys can get that remember we talked about it last month you should you should get it this month too because you know you can because christmas is almost here people yeah it is okay anyway you can you can get that it's like 29 uh minus the 20 percent discount then you can visit israel without ever having to leave your home and get on an airplane there you go Also, don't forget over at our website, BibleNewsRadio.com, we have our brand new Messianic Bible study. It's called Satanology. Uh, You want to learn about how Satan works? Go and download that because it's 37 pages of information about who Satan is, what he does, what his job is, you know, all that stuff. And just like what we were just talking about, I think sexual abuse, childhood sexual abuse in particular, Definitely is the devil's playground. you want to know why he does it? I'll tell you why. Because he wants to interfere in their relationship ultimately with God. So check that out uh, as well. And also, if you want to take a Bible course, you can go to arielcourses.com. You can go there and check out the courses that they have. And you can learn from Dr. Arnold Fruchtenbaum yourself. Yeah, you can. You'll watch a video of him. And trust me, he's, he's great. You know this guy's booked out like three years four years in advance and he travels the world so he's highly respected uh you guys definitely go check him out and a couple of other things here i feel like i'm about to sneeze people i'm gonna try not to though okay in case you forgot uh i have two of these left okay this is fifteen dollars fearless prayer and this book a christian's biblical guide to understanding israel from our friend doug Hershey. i got two packs of these left so if anybody wants to donate and get this this part of what we do you can do that just go to our website donate the money and this is for united states only though just so you know because otherwise it would cost me way more to ship it to you across the world but this is a good book by craig hazen fearless prayer why we don't ask and why we should my 90 year old dad is getting stuff out of this so if my dad can get something out of it you can too and then this is a little primer on understanding israel which most people don't talk about for some reason i don't know why israel is very important in the bible just so you know so check that out and then tomorrow tomorrow i love you tomorrow (laughs) tomorrow our guest is dr michael heiser he wrote this brand new book called angels and uh, this, the top thing says what the Bible really says about God's heavenly host. Uh, as you guys know, Mike Kaiser is a, um, a Hebrew biblical scholar and he's written a lot of really great books. But this book is not going to be your typical like, hey, you know, you're touched by an angel type book. This is actually looking biblically at what angels really are, what their jobs are. Uh, and it's, it's, a, it's a biblical studies book. It's not a fluffy book and i think you'll under i think you'll enjoy tomorrow's show. I have 3 books. If you want one, $12 out the door, okay? Contact me, let me know you want it. I'll send it to you. America only though. Sorry. Okay. Angels. Okay. So that's it. All right. Is there? am i forgetting? Oh, yes, one last thing. Forgot. Almost forgot. Can you believe it? Me. I almost forgot something at 50. <sighs> Thanksgiving is coming up and so is Christmas. And you know what happens during the holiday season when people are shopping all over the place? Identity theft. (laughs) Yeah, I bet you weren't expecting that, were you? You probably were. Uh, yeah, people, uh, people are getting their credit cards stolen and different things like that. And so, you know, we, uh, we help, uh, protect you with Legal Shield and identity theft, ID Shield. So uh, if you guys want to help me and Bareface get to Cabo San Lucas next year, <laughs> this would be the month to sign up for ID Shield or Legal Shield and get get on the books there. You know, Legal Shield will help you out with your will and all that stuff. And ID Shield, we've talked a lot about, but it will protect you. Uh, we will protect all of your info yeah, we will. A ton of it. And it's all on an app. You can monitor it. And that's honestly one of the best things about this is that for nine ninety five a month for a person, you can protect everything, have it on your phone. And when anything, anything that touches anything that you put in that app, it covers 65 pieces of information. When anything touches that, you'll be notified right away. And we offer a $5 million guarantee. And if anything does happen, uh, we will take care of it. The private investigators with Kroll will take care of your all your stuff so I have already gotten numerous alerts myself and uh, anybody who has had it for any length of time you you get notified we monitor social media we can give you a password uh, pro- vault uh, protector password vault that's not what it's called what's it called password manager pa- password manager yeah but it's a vault you know because the word vault you know, invokes like security <laughs> Anyway, all that's involved. So if you want to know more, go to bit.ly forward slash protect me or just contact me offline. You guys know where you can get me because obviously you're watching the show. So there you have it, people. Those are our sponsors and our ads. And don't forget, follow us on Facebook. Join my text message list by texting Bible News to 33222. And you'll get pithy little messages from me a couple times a day. Uh, And if you want to join my email list, you can do that BibleNewsRadio.com. All right. Sounds good? Okay, good. All right, so today, Nanette is my guest. Yeah, she is. And she's a super guest, in my opinion, because she's taken on this topic of childhood sexual abuse and trying to shine a light on the problem and get people to not only talk about it, but get some help. And so I'm really glad that she's here to talk to us about Because let's just be honest, people. People don't like to talk about it. I- I'm honest. I don't like to talk about it because I'm sick of talking about it. But the problem is nobody talks about it unless you're Oprah. And then Oprah, she talks about it, makes it all about herself and never really offers any real help. She enables people. And it really drives me crazy that she does that. But anyway, uh, so, <laughs> so, what you- so let's talk about that for a minute, about the media. What's what's your opinion about how the media talks about this issue? I mean, they like I'm 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 not going to say, but what's your opinion because about that?
0: Well, I think um, things like the Me Too movement have been helpful in starting new conversations. I think a bunch of celebrities wearing skimpy black dresses to support it isn't really very effective. And they can go home, step away from the issue and go back to their lives where people who are living with the effects of that, like this family, don't have that option. So I think they want to um, scandalize and make headlines and make money off of it without really understanding or looking at the depth of the issue and just how painful it is and how many people are affected. I think that's one of the things, you know, you talked about the the numbers. You think 20% of people in our churches are suffering from sexual abuse. Pastors, 50% of them are abusing pornography. And so many times that kind of activity is directly connected to some type of brokenness or abuse.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, I will tell you, you know—you you bring up the, the, the Me Too issue. Um, and John just said the Me Too campaign was a mess. It traumatized many people, unfortunately. He, this is a true story. Last night, I was at Pickleball talking to a friend of mine, excuse me, who I actually met at Pickleball. And she was telling me that she hadn't voted in a number of years, and the reason she decided to vote in this campaign, this election, was because of what happened with Kavanaugh, and the whole Me Too thing. Mm-hmm. And she's conservative; she voted conservative. She was really, really ticked off about that. And you know, that's that's <laughs> that's another issue, uh, you know, that that needs to be addressed. Like, for example, false accusations against people, right? Because mm-hmm. that does huge damage for people real people who've been abused and you know it's like so uh so how do you deal with that because you know because oh that guy would never do it oh bill cosby would never do it really now seriously
0: so i think there's a couple things there i think um I, i do think that they're on balance i agree with your um listener that they're it was traumatizing and and taken advantage of by some people. What's interesting, um, I participated in a conference recently for sexual abuse survivors, Me Too, actually was started by a woman of color um, addressing the fact that within the black community, abuse is very prolific and not talked about. And there was a a full cultural expectation um, that you just kind of take that on the chin and don't deal with it. And she started it to try to build that connection. And then when the Weinstein thing happened, it was sort of co-opted by the celebrity class. And I think um, that's not uncommon. (laughs) And then, yeah, the the issue of false allegations is a really tough one. Um, My reaction as an abuse survivor and a couple of friends um, that I talked with during the Kavanaugh situation was that there are distinct memories. You might not be able to put all the pieces together, but you have profound memories seared into your brain um, that are like snapshots that would give you some anchor in um, what was real. And I don't think very many people make false accusations. I think that in Washington and in that environment, it's so different. Someone said to me yesterday, well, why, why would someone make a false allegation like that? I'm like, it's DC, there's so many political motives, mm-hmm. but generally victims won't because it comes at a huge cost. It's really scary. Yeah. Um, I just named my abuser for the first time in this past year. Um, in the aftermath of the grand jury report, I grew up in Pennsylvania. And so they opened an opportunity for people who had not been part of that to bring forth allegations. And the things that those lawyers looked for was, did I know people before and after me who had been targeted? Because every victim of sexual abuse knows someone else who's been abused. And so, you know, that's a criteria I think you could apply to some of those higher profile situations. Mm -hmm. Um, But it was scary. It was scary to name him in filing the testimony. And then I wrote a blog post about the impact of that, about bringing him back into my presence once his name was added to the list he went from being this thing that happened 40 years ago um, to being a part of my present again and I started having these dreams and it just comes at a cost but what I would say to survivors is it's worth it to um, to name it to take that power back and to say I'm going to create some accountability for what you did because the truth is a defense Um, there it felt good to do that
1: there you go well I'm proud of you for doing it I am Thank you. I am. Because you know what? It's hard. I, You know, and and it's not what people don't understand is that not only is it difficult to bring out the, per- per- the perpetrator's name and call them out. I mean, you don't know my story at all, but I'll tell you briefly in a nutshell. I was sexually abused by my great uncle. His name was Stephen Molnar. He's dead now. But his name was Stephen Molnar. He was my mother's uncle. And my mother completely enabled him. I mean, completely. I turned him in when I was uh, 13, 14 years old, when I was a freshman in high school. Wow. First place I went to was the church. They didn't do anything. They said, just tell somebody in high school. I turned him in. My mother forced me to recant. And so 25 years he was going to be given because he was so arrogant. He documented. He documented everything he did to me. Everything. He documented wow. it. So they they threw the book at him. They're, he was going to get 25 years. But my mother said... No, you need to recant that in order essentially to protect my butt. And this is when I became a Christian, though, too. I, you know, I prayed and, you know, anyway, God, you know, I I did. And then it was many years later, uh, I was awarded uh, $10,000 from the state of California's Victim Witness Assistance Program because I had filed that report. But the effect of the abuse of my mother Mm -hmm. was way larger i think in my opinion than it was from him because of the mind games and all that and so when you when you name the person and then you start talking about the mind games and stuff that's where it really gets bad because people like my mom was a narcissistic borderline personality and it's like oh okay so so the world revolves around you it's all about you and to the outside world, she was as charming as could be, but behind closed doors, she was wicked.
0: But it's well, you hard- make a good point there, though, for victims that um, so many times, almost all, almost all the time, I hear family not be supportive, especially initially, mm-hmm. and um, being prepared for that is important because you think it's going to be different, but especially when it happens within a family, um, the condemnation is very much directed to the victim much more often than the, the abuser. Yep. Yeah, my my family still ignores it. Yeah. All these years and I'm later... sure you weren't the last victim then either since they enabled him.
1: Yep. Oh, yeah. I'm I'm pretty sure. You know, I'm, I uh, I did whatever I could, though, to make sure that people knew mm-hmm. who he was. I actually went to his apartment complex he lived in with my older brother who completely enabled him, and I'm pretty sure was abused by him. And I put out flyers. I flyered the whole apartment he lived wow. in. And, I mean, I did that, like, I was pissed. I was, I was out for, like... You know and and the manager of the apartment got really upset with me because I did it, but also thanked me because I was like, "Hey, you know what? this guy's gonna be around kids, just so you know it's what he did to me. Everybody else here, you need to know it. So I don't care what it is. Uh, yeah, getting that was very
0: courageous as a young person, yeah to bring charges I was that little... doesn't happen very often
1: well, yeah, and that's that's I never understood that until recent years, actually, to be honest with you. Uh, because, <clears throat> yeah, I go back. When, when I'm having a bad day or something, I'll say, don't mess with me. Do you know who I was when I was a teenager? <laughs>
0: <laughs> I learned to fight young. <laughs> I took, yeah, yeah,
1: Lady Ward is saying you took your power back, and that's exactly what uh, mm-hmm. what a lot of this is about is is yeah. learning to take your power back and say, you know what, this is ridiculous. This wasn't my fault. These people were supposed to be protecting us, Yes. And therein, this is the other issue, and, and that I don't know. It's probably I don't know if it's addressed in your book or not. But the other issue is that where is the safe place for people to go? Mm-hmm. If if it's not the home because of the prevalence of incest and you know that the child abuse in the home, right. and you can't go to church because right. you got priests and people like that. And actually, I heard something recently that even said the prevalence of, of even the nunnery. Uh, with lesbianism is huge now it's like if you 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 can't be safe there then where do you go even the counseling field is now saying that you can't get help for certain things so it's like well where do you where do you go
0: i think law enforcement and public i think outing people um who have done that but in law enforcement you know and again you could say there's corruption there too but at least there's Mm -hmm. some accountability and i think um in this story um, just because of the role of the clergy Mm -hmm. and the church at that time in particular that um, priests were considered to be like gods. I don't think if my friend had come forward that it would have been believed within his family or within the church. Um, One of the things that's been surprising to me, I've spent about the last three years researching this issue and working with different groups of survivors and you made a good point early on like the Southern Baptist Convention has a huge issue um, in terms of abuse, theirs is more directed toward females. The Catholic Church is 85% male victims um, But in those cases so many more people spoke up and did have the courage than I ever thought did and they were told basically to sit down and shut up as you said so um, One of the assumptions we have is that victims don't speak out and sometimes that's true But I don't think it's true as often as we assume and I think way more often um these young people who have had the courage to tell someone are not supported and, and legal, um, remedy is almost not pursued.
1: Yeah. Well, that's, that's true for sure. I mean, uh, maybe that's part of the reason I sell legal shield because I want justice. Yeah. Well, and, and, you know, the truth is, uh, that it's, it's, you know, I mean, we have statute of limitation laws that vary all over the country. Yeah. They're all different. Um, you know, and that's part of the reason why some of these these people, you know, have been like Bill Cosby. I mean, that's part of the reason why some of these people have actually been put in jail because of the long statute of limitations. But then the other problem is um, some people are like, well, I dealt with it. Eh. Well, you know, who really cares? Oh, it wasn't that bad. They minimize it. Yes. And, you know, and so people minimize abuse. And I think it's because the world and frankly, the church does, too um so i think we have a job as the church to really begin to uh um you know we have a ministry there right and i mean that's kind of kind of what your heart seems to be is to Mm -hmm. to help people so what would be uh, a step like a first step if so let's say somebody's watching and i know that there's probably there are you guys are watching i didn't imagine it (laughs) but let's just say somebody's watching and you know, and they've never talked about their abuse to anybody, what should they do? What would be your counsel to them?
0: I think um, the first thing is to identify a safe person to share the information with. And I would say it's usually not a family member that um, it would be, there's so much guilt, even if the abuse hasn't happened in the family, parents always feel bad that they didn't realize it. So there's just too much guilt. So someone who's trusted, um, someone who listens and doesn't judge and share the information. I think understanding um your legal rights is really important, knowing um, the opportunity and the risk involved with identifying your abuser publicly, um, but considering taking it public, that even if it isn't for your own satisfaction, abusers don't stop <laughs> until they're stopped. And so, you know, that's one of my motivations in continuing to try to hold my abuser accountable is I don't know that he's stopped. and. Um, I think there's good reason to do that. And then I think finding other support, depending on what kinds of things you're dealing with, I think um, one of the real blessings in this has been to connect with other people and realize how many people are going through similar um, impacts. You know, that in my case, I think my trauma was relatively minor, but definitely struggled with sexual intimacy, definitely, you know, had issues and anxiety around that. And then all the way to the other extreme of, The friend who I profiled in the book who, you know, struggled with intimacy at a level where the only places he felt safe were in pornography and in um, paid solicitation where there was no risk of intimacy, because that was one of my other big learnings was that um, once the abuser has left, a victim tends to make intimacy the enemy. They, They know that when they, as an innocent child, trusted somebody with an intimate touch that wasn't safe, then it must all be dangerous. And that thought gets planted deep in your brain and continues to impact you throughout your life. And it takes some real effort to rewire that. So um, kind of a rambling answer. But I think I think the main message would be don't stay quiet and find a way that works for you and the level that you want to take action. I've become an advocate now, which I never would have anticipated if five years ago God had said, hey, guess what? You're going to stand up and talk about your sexual abuse. And actually <laughs> make that part of your personal brand, I would not have believed it, um, but it's gotten easier and more comfortable, and I've seen it help other people, and so mm-hmm. it's worth it.
1: Yeah. yeah, it does get easier. I mean, I can tell you, I for me, I started talking about a couple of years ago. Before, I was like, eh, nah, don't need to talk about that, but what I found is that the more you talk about it, the less power it has over you, number yeah. one, and The people that you can help minister to, I mean, some of the, some of the, some, some of the email I've received as a result of that, I've never received uh, one email from somebody who listened to my story uh, and actually heard the story uh, condemning me in any way. I've I've received one hateful, spiteful person who sent me a message claiming that it was never true, and I think that man has a psychological problem himself, so... Mm -hmm. But, you know, most people, they try to tune into a show and they they, you know, try to help and offer, you know, oh, yeah, I get it. You know, I, I've been there or whatever, you know, but it does lose its power. And the stronger you get, the more powerful you feel. Okay. And in fact, I, I'll tell you this it's kind of funny. It's kind of this funny story on, on a side on a side thing. Recently, my husband and I got a um uh what's that thing, a cabinet somebody on Facebook was, was selling a piece of furniture that we, we were going to get for our our uh, thing. And uh, anyway, it turned out it was this young lady who had a, she's a single mom, and she was in the military. And so when she delivered the, the thing to our house, uh, Randall noticed that she was in the military. And anyway, somehow the topic came up about, you know, have you ever, I, I said something to the effect of, oh, I bet you can kick their butt. That's not the word I used, but you could probably kick their butt as a, Barine or whatever it was she was and she's like oh yeah and the other day uh these two guys tried to help me up at gunpoint and was it walmart some parking lot i don't know they tried to carjack they tried to carjack her huh. and now this is a little asian lady okay little i'm not little she was little and anyway she just she <laughs> she basically and this is her word she went back crazy uh <laughs> and basically just you know looked yelled and screamed at them and said don't you don't you think hey i'm a single mother and i have this get the hell out (laughs) just went off on him and and it was just funny because that's really what we have to do and to protect to protect ourselves first of all if if we're not being if we're not protecting ourselves first we can't protect other people and unfortunately, um, predators are everywhere. I mean, they're, they're attacking our children through video mm-hmm. games and other things, but the media is fishing for them, too, to make them victims so that they can continue to sell them the, the stuff that creates the addiction, etc. I mean, mm-hmm. it's all about money. And one of the things that I learned in my whole life is that Sexual abuse, any type of, well, especially sexual abuse, it makes the person feel like an object. And you know what? God did not create us as objects. He created us in his image because he loves us. He, he fearfully and wonderfully made us as humans in his image. And don't ever forget that Satan, the father of lies, wants to kill you because you're made in his image. You're not a puppy dog. You're not a kitten. You're not a mouse or a ferret. Okay. You are made in God's image. And that's why he hates you. And I believe, honestly, in these last days, because he's so deceptive and and God knows that he's coming back soon, the devil knows it. He's out to get more and more of us because, you know, because he knows that all humans have God's imprint and, and he already knows he's lost, but, but we have to stand up and protect, protect people because if we don't, who will? I mean nobody protected me. Let me put it that way. So I'm here trying to help you protect you and other people. And so's Nanette. There you go.
0: Well, I think um another thing I was thinking as I was listening to you was for people who aren't abuse victims themselves, you know somebody who is and you may not know that they are, but the numbers just say for sure. And um One of the things that was driven home powerfully for me in pursuing my friend's story is that men suffer very differently than women. That is women, we're more likely to disclose, we've got our girlfriend network, we've got ways to do that, and men don't. And they have a different kind of shame, especially if they've been abused by a man. They question their sexuality, Um, they wonder why them, especially in church environments like this, they're victimized multiple times. And um, I really try to speak to women too, because I think that the wives and the women who love men are in the best position to connect some of these dots as potentially uh, related to abuse and maybe help be a catalyst to them getting help so that if you see a man who is extremely homophobic, who violently toward people who are homosexual, who is abusing substances, um, who is using pornography, who's engaged in infidelity, um, and then even just that drive part of the reason I share the fact that this guy was a millionaire is because his drive to show his worth was relentless Mm. because he couldn't find his worth in the Lord. He was finding his worth in things of this world and he never believed he was enough. And so individually those things manifest in a lot of people, but that sort of combination to me is a real um, marker or some of those can be real markers for past sexual abuse.
1: Yeah. And that's a good point. That's what Lady Ward just said. Thank you for sharing your Comment. Appreciate it. Okay, our time is almost up. Uh, so let's go ahead and go ahead and tell everybody again where they can get your book. And, um, you know, if do, do you let people contact you too if they have questions yeah. or comments? Yep. Okay.
0: Um, my email is nanette at denialbook.com. And you can order a signed copy of my book from my website and I'll mail it to you myself. Um, but it's also available on Amazon and other uh, booksellers online and in stores if you can find it. Awesome. And, you know, if
1: she didn't ask me to do this, but I will say if you do buy it, make sure that you review it and give it a good review at Amazon. Yeah. Okay. Cause, that would be great. <laughs> hey, authors <laughs> need need to have good reviews up there. And don't write one that's like, hey, I read this book. It's great. That's a lame interview or review. Write an actual review. Like, like read the book and write a review, a real review. Don't, like, be lazy. That's all I'm saying. Those type of reviews irritate me when people do do that. <laughs> Although I guess if it's if it's all somebody can give out of their heart, then I you know I would accept it. But anyway, that's my kind of my opinion on that. All right. Well, so one,
0: one more thing I'll mention for your listeners is that um, on the website on denialbook.com, there's a resources section that has books and uh, nonprofit organizations and other resources um, for survivors of sexual abuse. So that if you want to go further in the issue, um, that's a good place, at least a starting point to get help. Oh, cool.
1: There you go. And Bobby, thank you for all those hearts and everybody else. Thank you for the hearts. That's not really a heart. It's kind of a heart. Anyway, you guys, uh, thank you for tuning into the show. Appreciate it. And don't forget you can watch it again if you want. It's over on Facebook, YouTube, uh, subscribe to our channels everywhere if you don't mind. And remember, as I always say on every show, at the end of the show, well, before I say that, tomorrow, Michael Heiser, just remember we're talking about angels tomorrow, okay? All right, so as I always say on the end of every show, be bold, people, stand up, and go with God because he loves you, okay? So we'll see you tomorrow.